it is, the transfer window is closed. And we still don't have a midfield. But you know what, at this point, let's just be zen about it. Also on the agenda, the Angers and Nîmes games, and the Champions League draw. This is PSG talking. Well, hello everyone. Uh, season 3, episode 3 of the podcast. Oh boy, a lot of things to talk about. Uh, before anything else, I would like Terry, who's uh, a new team member, to introduce himself. Terry, go for it. Salut à tous. Hello, hello. My name is Terry. I live in uh, Tampa, Florida for uh, 10 years now. I was born and raised in uh, France and uh, I've been a PSG fan my whole life since I was born. My whole family is uh, PSG fans and uh, yeah, I'm here to uh, debate, talk and uh, see if we can figure things out now. Watch out, the French-speaking uh, PSG talking team is growing, slowly but surely. So we have another French guy, and let's see. Well, we, we, Mel, Mel is here this week, uh, no longer a new team member. Hello, Mel. Hey, bienvenue. Uh, J'ai besoin de pratiquer la langue, but uh -oh. Uh, oh, God. I, I, I am Anglais. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to, to say your counterexample of the French speaking, of the non-French. You know, no, you speak French too. Well, this is great because Matthew, Matthew, you do speak French too, but you will never uh, try it. I know you will never uh, try to do this. Oh. Uh, je suis une uh, vos beef uh, stupide. Uh, je ne <laughs> Je ne parle de French, so uh, yeah, hello everybody. Yeah, <laughs> All right, so um, anyway. let's start, guys. Uh, we have a jam-packed agenda to, to talk about. Uh, not so much by the number of issues or subjects, but more about, my God, what a summer. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain had or rather did not have. Um, this week we'll talk about two games uh, in Ligue 1. Uh, we'll talk about the Champions League draw and we'll talk about the transfer window and um, if we still ah. have time and hope, yeah, I know. And if we still have time, we will talk about the, we'll answer questions from the subreddit RPSG. Uh, where this, this time there's a few very, very interesting questions. Most of the time, there are interesting questions. Let's start with the first game that nobody really wants to talk about because it seems like so long ago, as it was, what, 10 days ago? And there's more, you know, perhaps important issues. But no, we got to talk about that game because it was um, uh, an attempt by Tuchel, Tutuche, um, if I'm not mistaken, and tell, t tell me if I, if I give wrong information, it was his first attempt to a 3-4-3 or 3-5-2. And uh, we had been waiting for this uh, for a long time. So we played uh, Angers. And uh, it was a strange game. It was the uh, week three of Ligue 1. PSG won 3-2-1. Cavani, 12th minute. Mbappé 51st and Neymar 66. And Angers tied the game 
with a penalty kick. Um, I am so sorry. I forgot the name of the guy who, um, who scored. Mangani. Merci, Terry. Oh, uh, 22nd minute. Uh, on a very unusual mistake by Thiago Silva, who normally is, um, is one of the purest central defenders in the square and doesn't do this type of mistake. But he did. Um, the lineup was Areola in goals. Interesting. Which game, which game was that? Angers, 3-1. Oh, it was, uh, I thought it was Kerrer's uh, mistake. No, the penalty was... Yes. Oh, That's, you're right. Yeah, you're right. right, it was Kerrer. It was Kerrer. Yeah, um, it was a welcome penalty kick. <laughs> I'm, I'm already confused between Paris Saint-Germain-Angers and Nîmes Paris Saint-Germain. Where that penalty kick was... Um, Thiago Silva mistake. No. Okay, so that's Kerr. His first um, 45 minutes at Paris Saint-Germain, which were catastrophic. Thank you, Terry. I say a lot of bullshit. I have, I have the memory of, of a crab. And, uh, that's okay. And that's we're, a, that's we're a, a team. So, yeah, yeah, please help me out. Um, Lineup, Areola in goals. Kerr, uh, Silva Kimpembe. Silva in the middle, Kerr on the right, Kimpembe on the left. Meunier, Rabiot, Marquinhos, Di Maria in midfield. Uh, Kinder with Neymar, who Kinder played as a 10. Not Kinder, he played as a 10. And Mbappé and Cavani up front. Um, we are going to briefly discuss. I'm going to give five minutes, maybe a bit more, seven minutes on this game. We'll start with you, Terry. First, did you watch the game? Yeah, yeah. Even though I was on vacation, I, I couldn't miss out the, the first 3-5-2. Okay. Uh, of the season um so yeah no uh, yeah it's uh, we saw two different halves um like the since the beginning of the of the season it, it's kind of been that way uh you see one half that's uh with a lot of content and another where we see the same issues we've had for the past uh six years uh meaning uh missing implication uh and uh and being uh, serious for for the whole game, um, the intensity sometimes uh, we're lacking. Uh, but at the same time, I I, I really like the the animation uh, up front. Uh, we seem to have a midfield that's out of sync as usual, uh, and then. I, I want to more talk about the, the team performance more than, than individuals, but uh, if we talk about individuals, uh, we saw Kerr's 45 uh, minutes that, you know, he, he obviously wasn't ready mentally, um, and Tuchel did the right thing by taking him out at halftime because he could have got a red card in that game. Yeah. Um, but I saw some good things. Uh, we saw Mbappé and Neymar trying to uh, play with each other. Um, we saw Di Maria, who's, as usual, you know, uh, it's, he's so frustrating when, when yes. you watch a game. <laughs> but at the same time, he, he brings this animation that uh, creates overloads on, on the other side. So it's, you know, it's, uh, but at the same time, he, his uh, his uh, his long passes in the box were not precise, and yeah, I mean, it's we saw good things. And at the end of the day, you win three points, and you play against a team that's 
more fit than you because this was only what the second or third game for the the starters uh, of the season. So yeah, three points is uh, is what I'm looking at. True. I mean, uh, you know, the 38 games to win. You win. You need uh, to win points, um, not necessarily to play like the the best team in the world. Um, Mel, did you watch the game? I did watch the game. Um, you know, uh, thinking about it from the perspective of Angers, they're coming into this match. Um, they haven't beaten us in the last 20 games. Um, they come into this match knowing that Mbappe in particular has scored more against them than against any other current top flight team. So what's on their mind is our uh, front three. Um, and, you know, it is uh, a testimony to the strength that that front three will be able to exhibit across the season, I think, um, that um, they are forcing folks to uh, really wrestle with the runs, the speed, um, and the counterattacking ability that that front three has. It's against teams like this where when we can get off on the front foot correctly, uh, for the most part, um, the weakness of the midfield um, will be mitigated against. Um, of course, this won't happen against uh, teams that are better equipped, but um, I think this was an example of that. Yes, I think Terry's absolutely right about Kerr and, and the decision to take him off. He, he was the first player to concede a penalty on his League One debut since Jardine Gaspar uh, with Lyon in, in 2016. I love um, your stats. I love well, stats. before that, it was relatively yeah. uncommon before that. Right. Um, and so this is not a common thing. Um, and I think it's indicative of the fact that of where he is uh, in terms of his readiness for this league. Um, but it, I don't necessarily believe it's an overall indicator of his quality. Um, I think he needs uh, no. more time. Um, but, the uh, you know, I, I think we operated very much um, as a... Um, um, you know, our, our, our formation was, you know, ostensibly a three, four, three. It really functioned as a three, four, one, two. Um, Neymar was the number 10. Um, although interestingly enough, you go back and look at it, uh, he and Di Maria, um, exchanged positions a couple of times as Neymar came back for the ball. Um, but that in and of itself is indicative of a number 10 that is dictating in the middle. Um, I think, um, for uh, the coach uh, to deploy this formation in games that now matter on his record uh, and for which he has to be held accountable says something about his intent uh, to make us ready uh, to deploy a variety of formations. And I thought overall, um, even though, yeah, Terry is right, that we continue to be a team of two halves and, in fact, a team of um, one half, one quarter of one half, and then a quarter of another half. Um, historically, that uh, that this was um, a very instructive match in terms of us being able to understand uh, the mind uh, of the entrepreneur going forward. So, well said, Matthew. Your turn. Have you? Uh, did you watch the game? I did. Yeah, and um, I mean, I think the guys have covered off a lot of the main points. I think the the sort of three man defense is. is it's quite interesting. Um, I mean, clearly, Tuchel thinks this is what he wants to do in the long term. You can see by the sort of uh, the makeup, the, you know, of the squad and bringing Kerr and uh, 
other people might not have thought it was a priority to get a central defender. But anyway, um, I think it's going to be really difficult to sort of, you know, introduce that. It's quite a big change for us, obviously, having always played four at the back. And yeah, I think it's going to be difficult to sort of introduce it on the fly sort of thing when he hasn't had a full pre-season. He hasn't, because everything's been interrupted by the World Cup and so on and so forth and the new players coming in really late, um, like, you know, like Carrera and so on. So I think that, yeah, I think the good things about it is that he sort of saw that it wasn't really working that well in the first half and changed it and see came through and got the win in the end. So I think it's nice to see yeah. a bit of a flexibility, whereas his predecessor, you sort of, um, uh, you'd wait until the hour mark, then he might have made a sort of uh, personnel change and then five minutes from the end, uh, probably done something else. But uh, other than that, he was very, you know, Emery was very sort of reluctant to change things, wasn't he? And I think uh, you see from Tuchel, he's not going to have that sort of uh, that sort of mindset. But yeah, I just think um, there's, there's only so much you can read into a home game against Andres and they were the best will in the world. Like, it's either you win it comfortably or something really embarrassing happens. I don't think there's, I don't think beyond that there's too much we can we can really read into at this point with the sort of varying fitness levels and so on of the players. Yeah, no, I agree, yeah. I, I don't have much to add. I mean, the main point is he didn't have, like, like you just said, Matthew, Tuchel didn't have much time with the team. It's a post-World Cup season. Yeah, and so, sorry, sorry to interrupt, Guillaume. I just wanted to say before, and I didn't get around to it, that you even see like someone like Guardiola, the first season at Man City, you know, introducing a very alien sort of system to those players. It took him a while. They didn't really do that well. And then the following year, obviously, we've seen what they've done from there. I'm not saying that Tuchel's going to turn us into the new Man City, but it sort of indicates how long it takes. And that was without the sort of, um, you know, the sort of interruptions we've had. So, sorry. Oh, yeah, no, no. Um, yeah, it's going to take time. And uh, when you look at Paris Saint-Germain, Paris Saint-Germain's calendar, there's no time. Uh, Liverpool's coming up. So you say, oh, well, we have a little mm-hmm. bit of time to work before Liverpool. No, we don't. There's the international break. All of our central defense has been called um, onto their respective national teams. Kerrer just got the call for Germany. First time. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Paris Saint-Germain. Um, <laughs> so, so Tuchel is not going to be able to work on, the, on his defense. He cannot really work with the team and, and, and it's very, very difficult. Um, and, of course, we see it on the pitch. We are a somewhat dysfunctional team when he tries new things, but at least he's trying. So it was catastrophic for Kerr. And uh, he got replaced by Ensoki at halftime against Angers. And then the team switched back to a 4-3-3. And, um, yes, and it worked. Uh, Mel, are you still with he's us? Smart enough. He's, sm- he's smart enough to do it. Sorry to interrupt. He, it's good that he's smart enough to... Uh-oh. Hello? Hello, hello? Okay, we had a little technical difficulty. We were talking about the Paris Saint-Germain-Angers game and the powers that be didn't like it and crashed the internet on us. Um, which is probably a very good thing because uh, we have a lot to discuss um, and we're going to move on. So we agree, Tuchel has no time 
to try new things. We're missing players. Some are physically up to date. Some are still in, physically in vacation. And we are playing teams, uh, small teams, that have been tuned up physically to deliver right away. That's what you do when you're um, uh, yes. promoted to League One or any league or your small team. You tune up your players so they can start harvesting points as much as they mm -hmm. can. And then you figure out for the rest of the season. It's better than being destroyed for half the season and find the mental and physical resources to catch up on points. So Paris Saint-Germain is, is getting League One teams very aggressive physically, tuned up physically, and we're behind physically. Um, mm -hmm. Within that pool of players that are behind physically, some are even more tired than others. It's a mess. And then there's the international call coming up. Poor Poor Tuchel. He's going to have to be zen. Very zen. Let's move on to the second game. Uh, we got to talk about Nîmes, Paris Saint-Germain. September 1st, uh, fourth week, fourth game of Ligue 1. We played in 4-2-3-1. Areola again in the goals. And um, that's interesting. It seems that Perhaps he's our number one keeper, or at least for now. Uh, Meunier and Soki on uh, the uh, fullback positions. Thiago Silva, Kimpembe, central defense. Rabio Marquis. Uh, oh, hello, someone's calling. Hello, hello, it's Guillaume. It's a beautiful day. How can I, what, what can I do for you? Um, it's half term, he wants to come back. <laughs> Rabio Rabio Marquinhos uh, in midfield, uh, Di Maria on the right, Neymar uh, as a ten, I guess again, Mbappe on the left, and Cavani all the way up front. Hmm. Let's uh, briefly talk about Nîmes. Uh, for older League One fans like me and maybe Terry, Terry, you sound old like me too. When you think about Nîmes, it's like uh, a Ligue 2. It's a Ligue 2 team. It's a pillar of Ligue 2. Oh, yes. Nîmes, Orléans, Châteauroux, all those mm. teams, you know. And then <laughs> after... Guignon. 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 And after 178 years in Ligue 2, Nîmes made it to Ligue 1. But they, they, they're known because they've been so um, much of a pillar of League 2 that the French fans know Nîmes. Uh, they showed qualities. They are, called, they are called the Crocodiles. And as you may have realized after the first two minutes, yes, they have the, that je ne sais quoi of uh, the, the southern France teams. Je ne sais quoi being hitting you as hard as they can, hoping that the ref is not going to send them up. <laughs> That's the je ne sais quoi of, of Bastia... <laughs> Ajaccio, Toulouse. What am I missing here? All those teams from south of France. Um, let's uh, let's do a, a round again. Um, let's start with Matthew. Matthew, did you watch the game? Uh, yeah, belatedly, having already known the score, which was a bit uh, a bit weird. Um, yeah, and also one of my favourite ever footballers, who's called Lionel Perez. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of him. He wasn't that famous. Um, but he started his career at Nîmes. So that's a fun fact for your really okay. amusing goalkeeper from the early 2000s. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it was quite um, a sort of untidy game, I thought. It sort of showed our sort of um, 
problems in midfield, which I'm sure we'll come on to at length uh, later. But um, Marquinhos, I didn't think looked particularly happy in his sort of holding role in the uh, in the midfield. But you know, another win, good goal from Mbappe. Yes. Uh, Good, good banter from uh, from Neymar. I enjoyed that with the uh, yeah. whole sort of crying banner, and then uh, him going and having a little sit down, a little cry. I thought that was very funny, and uh, you know, um, it's probably the best way to do all that. And then, yeah, sort of, it was a bit annoying the whole sort of Mbappe uh, red card at the end there. But I think, as you say, <laughs> he had been sort of subjected to a sort of uh, ongoing assault by all these like massive blokes, so uh, kind of could understand it in a way. Um, but I think uh, hopefully it will sort of, I mean, he seems like a really sort of good character and like a really good guy. Hopefully he's not sort of getting too big for his boots. So I don't think there's any chance of that happening really. But obviously if there, if that were a sort of tendency of his, I think sort of, you know, that's the kind of thing which might make him think again and think, oh, you know, uh, you know, everything's going so well for me at the moment. But you still got to stay professional and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, another, uh, another good win. I quite enjoyed, it felt a bit sort of a bit chaotic at times the game and I thought it sort of, it showed up what we're good at, but also like sort of big sort of problems with the sort of team and the squad, which will probably come back to haunt us in a few months uh, when we sort of have some of the bigger games. So yeah, I don't really um, don't really have much else to add. It, it was a fun game, uh, fun game to watch, and uh, so was Paris Saint Germain Angers. And you know, it's not always the case. So at least there was that. Um, Mel, your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I was I was very excited. Uh, by this matchup. Um, one, you know, it's always exciting to see Neem uh, back in the mix doing their thing. But but more importantly than that, um, uh, I, you know, I have a theory about the psychology uh, of the League One season. And I think that, you know, my theory uh, manifests itself across the past couple of seasons. One, um, last year, where, to be very frank with you, um, Every team took their opportunity uh, to introduce Neymar uh, to to our league uh, by kicking him up, um, which led to a loss of Neymar, in my opinion, for several games. Um, and uh, the season before, which demonstrated the difference between that season and the, and the past one in that uh, we lacked uh, somebody like Thiago Mata consistently in the lineup. Uh, exercising measured retribution for that type of thing, right? Uh, and so, yeah. you know, we, uh, this year, I think you had somebody in Mbappe who knows he's coming off a superstar tournament in, in his World Cup performance. Um, and I think the exact right thing happened in this game to set ourselves up for success going forward. I think other clubs look at this and go, you know, what is the extent to which these PSG players are going to tolerate uh, our attempt to physically uh, handle them in ways that prevent us from being embarrassed by their skill set? And Mbappe made it clear early on uh, that, you know, even without a Thiago Mata in the midfield, um, he wasn't going to tolerate. Um, he was not going to be somebody who was kicked up uh, and put out for eight to ten games because, other teams can't stand the fact that they can't bring it the way that they need to bring it. Uh, and I, I thought that, you know, I think, I think we're right in, in, in asking the question, uh, what does this mean for his mindset? Uh, has he become too big for his britches? But I didn't see it that way at the time. 
uh, the way I saw it was, yeah, we're going to have to push back. We're going to have to demonstrate um, that we're not here for that. Uh, we're here uh, to play the game the right way, um, but that we will be prepared to respond if that's the case. Uh, sometimes uh, you have to take the red card now in game two so that you don't have to deal with this from games, you know, uh, three through 38. So the, the, I, I saw the, the match in that light. Um, um, and that's the psychology of it from a tactical standpoint, from a performance standpoint. Um, I think again, this was another opportunity, uh, where our counterattacking ability, um, you know, I mean, the, the Mbappe goal is a great example. Um, this guy has acceleration like no other. And is able to just kick it over the top. Mbappe runs onto it. It makes a fantastic uh, strike in the 77th minute. Um, we, our issues in midfield, um, um, this type of win, uh, the win at Angers, are great deodorants uh, for our midfield issues, uh, which I think still sure. um, need, now. Yeah, need to be addressed. Yeah, for now. But like Matthew yeah. said, was it Matthew or Terry? I think both. It's another three points. That's uh, right. You know. That's right. So and and so far, um, Tuchel is doing what he can to experiment. At the same time, we won all of our games. So hey, so far so good. Um, Terry, your thoughts on the game? Yeah. No. I mean, for me, uh, this was a perfect. Last preseason game for the starters. Uh, well, yeah, to, to start off with, uh, these first four games for me are like the preseason for the starters because then you have that, that two-week uh, international break and then the season really starts for them, you know. So to me, that was a perfect last preseason game because you have that particular atmosphere mm -hmm. going into Nîmes, going into that stadium. Um uh, with a lot of hatred coming from their fans, but, you know, it, it's soccer passion. Uh, and you have this team that's putting a lot of impact and intensity into the game. Uh, they were limit dangerous at times, and uh, the thing is that the game got out of end because the, ref. uh, the referee didn't really control uh, the first uh, couple of hits with... Uh, Uh, sanctions. So, you know, right. that's besides the point. I don't like talking about referees, etc. Uh, it's still, I really like the, the animation and I like Neymar as a 10. Um, he, he, he's still getting used to that position. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's times where uh, he's, coming, he, he's coming back where he should be going up. Uh, but he, he's doing it well. He, he's going to learn and And uh, it, it's going to come with time. Um, I like Mbappe and Di Maria calling the ball. I like... Uh, the, the thing is that, like we all said, you have a, a out-of-sync midfield. Yeah. Uh, Marquinhos is, is used less when we have the ball. Yes. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, he's either going to pass it back or to someone that's closest to him. That's a problem when, when you have... a. a transition method uh, so what it's, it's the, again the, the midfield is, is going to be a lot of this podcast but uh, we also had uh, a bad game from, from Thiago Silva uh, that, that explained the, 
also why the midfield could have been out of sync. I think himself, he had a bad game because the midfield uh, was a little bit shaky. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a, the egg and the chicken. You know, what's, yeah, yeah, what's yeah. But he, he was constantly backing up and uh, and that's where we were put in danger. Uh, but we, we weren't really in danger except for Three or four times, really. Well, if you look uh, at... at the 60th minute, the, the team melted uh, physically, mentally. Right. I don't know what it was, and then suddenly oh, yeah. we were like, "What's happening?" And well, me, and also, and also, and also, we went up two nil, and um, I can't remember the name of the player for Nîmes, number 20. He was put through, and Ariola made a great save yes. down to his left with his fingertips um, that was going in. So um, yeah. you know, which could have changed the game right there as well. So sorry, I didn't want to. No, I did want to. No, 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 no. But uh, to me, we we weren't really in danger many times in this game. Even if they had more occasions than us, etc. I, I didn't feel like they were dangerous. Uh, besides those two, those two goals, uh, and that one occasion that Mel just brought up. Uh, but yeah, I I like to think positively, you know. <laughs> uh, and Soki, yeah, it's you know is. It's not his position, and he was he was more focused on on not uh, uh, having a player in his back. So offensively, he wasn't really there. So the the game was more on our side on offense was more on the right side with Meunier uh, being more comfortable attacking than than Ensoki, for example. And the fullbacks uh, play a big part in, yeah. in the, in yeah, the two-hole method. I like Meunier. Um game um I, I, at least as a you know a quote-unquote midfielder um yeah no he, he he did pretty well versus the game in, against angers where oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. i thought he was yeah yeah i think he i think he's getting fit that, that's why i call this the preseason. <laughs> yeah he's a big guy he takes time to for the machine to warm up um matthew you you talked about this game right i'm getting confused very easily confused yeah Okay, yeah. so it's my turn. Yeah, it's my I, turn. I, I <laughs> Sorry, mate. Well, <laughs> hey, calm down. <laughs> no, I don't have much to say. I'm um, I'm not briefly going to talk about both games. The things you perhaps can extract from this um, this m little bit of a messy uh, first part of the season. Um, Neymar's new attitude. So. Is it because he's playing more of a 10, so he's less, a little bit less exposed? He can come back in midfield, and uh, there's, there's, uh, there's forwards ahead of him being hit. For example, Mbappe. Um, he's been hit a bit, but no drama, no theatrics, no crying. And also, he's been played as a, a fake nine, by Tuchel. He's been played as a left mm, forward by Tuchel, and he's been played as a 10 by Tuchel. And he doesn't seem to mind at all. I take that as very positive things. Mm -hmm. um, Tuchel does what he can with what he has. He's used uh, Ensoki and, I mean, quite a few uh, youth academy players would turn out to be Very interesting, most of them. Um, their main complaint, or not complaint, but comment, is that the intensity is their main issue. So uh, mentally, they're there. Technically, they're there. Physically, the, the, the intensity of League One 
um, despite what you read in some forums, is uh, crazy. And they are struggling, repeating the effort week after week, but they'll get there physically. So we have, we have some good youth players that Tichel used. Um, we've seen our superstar accepting new roles and behaving, uh, uh, showing a better attitude. Um, but of course, um, our main problem as usual, this season, the previous season, the season before that, the season before that season, and the season before that season before that season, is the midfield. Should we talk about this? Um, we'll, we, we're going to talk about this because I think now we should talk about the transfer season. What happened or did not happen this summer at Paris Saint-Germain? It's difficult to put words on uh, what happened. So let's Let's be as factual as we can. And being factual is not, <laughs> I have read on this website, uh, uh, www.preparationh.com, that um, uh, Antonio Enrique is an asshole. And this is why we had a, a terrible summer uh, transfer season. No, yeah, I think, I, well, yeah, I was going to say, I think, I think that this... Uh, this narrative about Enrique um, simply uh, doesn't match the circumstance of the club. Right? There's a lot of people who want to make hay on uh, on Enrique's ostensible lifestyle. Uh, you see Uli Honest uh, from Bayern Munich trying to make hay on Enrique. What an Enrique. example! Yeah, what a great example, Udionis. <laughs> yeah, ex, right. Ex I mean, I mean, a, a guy who sh- a guy who should wake up just being quiet, right? Yes. Uh, but anyway, but, but I think the reality uh, is that Enrique has been given clear direction from Jean Claude Blanc mm-hmm. and from Nasser, and he is following that direction in order to not to jeopardize uh, the club's position, uh, which has become tighter. Uh, and has to be dealt with in a more uh, specific fashion uh, with the move uh, to lock in Mbappe. Um, And that he is not going to make any deal that doesn't benefit PSG in multiple ways. And so while he was looking at a lot of different deals, uh, I think it's uh, appropriate that uh, he did not make any deal um, that had the potential uh, that was too much of a potential risk uh, that combined with the fact that, yes, we need a number six. Uh, I think that was we clear spent to 50 million euros. Yeah. I, and, and we spent it uh, across several players, right. As opposed to um, this idea of going after a number six. Um, we know the top tier number six is everyone else knows we need a top tier number six. And have probably priced those folks out of the out of the stratosphere. And then what did we what would what would PSG typically have done? They typically would have gone for a second or third tier number six, but overpaid. Uh, and we can't afford to do that. Uh, so um, if you move beyond the the tabloid headlines in in Germany and in France and beyond the Twitter discourse, which is sort of beneath the floor when it comes to legitimate discourse. Uh, and actually look at what we did. Uh, what we did 
was operate conservatively. Um, we didn't quite get where we needed to be, but we didn't harm ourselves trying to create a reasonable facsimile of such. So I, I was not um, hateful of, of the transfer period, and I didn't think it belied any crisis at the club, quote unquote. I think it actually made clear that this was one of the more mature transfer windows that we've had because of the realities uh, that we're dealing with. So, Okay, so mature or transfer window for Mel? Um, I, I was saying, let's, b before we, we go into detail on what happened, um, there's very few facts that we know for sure happened. Mm. We don't know exactly the, the insides of the club. It's still a bit... It, we, we just assume. We know there's some, it's, it's somewhat a, not a great club yet in terms of structures. It's not well oiled. Enrique has been here for only a year. He wasn't involved much in the Neymar transfer. We don't know how much he was involved in the Mbappe transfer. What we know for sure he's done so far is straighten up things about our youth academy contracts and delivered by signing nine youth players. Uh, and a couple of them being really red hard and sought for by other clubs. And that's that right. is a fact, and that's a wonderful thing. The rest, we don't know exactly what happened. We've heard rumors from different sources. Most of them want you to click on their link because that's how they make money. So, you know, some are definitely not reliable, but even those reliable sources have something to sell. Am I saying we, as a blog and podcast, are a more credible source? No, because we are not as close as some of those journalists. But we don't really have anything to sell. So you get my point. So we don't exactly know what happened. But when you get M M Musho Rotting, what is his name? <laughs> Shupo... Shupo <laughs> Ma Sorry. Ma Matting for free. Supermoting. Supermoting for free. When you get uh, a 40 year old legend of the game, oh, is he still playing? Yeah, yeah, he's still. Oh, okay. On a free. He's great. He's 40 years old. And he came on a free. You sign for 37 million euros, which is quite a lot of money. A player nobody, absolutely nobody has heard of. But apparently, he's got great potential. And then you put 15 million on a, on a left back. What is the message you're sending to the world? We are on the fucking broke. We are a bunch of broke ass motherfuckers. Oh. <laughs> but we are. But we are. Oh, we spent we 15 million. 15 million. Who do you 15 get? 15 million. How, how are we broke? No, we spent 139 million on Mbappe. Okay, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We spent 139 million on Mbappe. We spent 50 million on three additional players because we are broke. Why are we broke? We're not per se broke. Uh -huh. We have an endless amount of money. Endless amount. It's a it's a it's a trust fund. No, no, it's a trust fund. A sovereign sovereign wealth fund of 375 billion dollars so no we're not broke but for uh uefa ffp we are broke and they came at the last minute end of june 
and said, mm. oh, that sponsor of yours that we already devalued by 50% from $200 million uh, a season, $200 million a season to $100 million a season, we are devaluating the sponsor again by 37%. So down from $100 million now to $60 million per season. And the way UEFA looks at our, uh, our sheets, it's by a, a bunch of seasons, three seasons. So suddenly, for the next three seasons, we are down 150 million euros. That's a lot of money. This is how we get from, oh, okay, well, it's going to be a bit tight because we sang Mbappé. Um, so we probably can sign only maybe, you know, Kanté this season or maybe Sandro to Choupo Mo, Moting and those guys. So, but Guillaume, but Guillaume, you talk about Choupo Moting as if he comes out of no context, right? Oh, no, he no, comes there's out a context. Of, of course, there is a yeah, context. But you, yeah, get, yeah, you get my point. There's a We're very broke. We are broke. I, I, I know that we're, we're at the Shupo Moting level because we're broke. But Shupo Moting scored 20 goals. Oh, no, he's great. Mine. He's not nobody. And he probably yeah. will be sold to a, a Chinese club in, in a season, in one season, right. for 25 for million euros. Yeah. That's you right. Know? No. But there's no big signing this summer at Paris Saint-Germain because UEFA um, did what he could, knowing exactly what would happen. Because they can. Uh, because we're messing with them, they're messing with us. And they got us. That and also some other issues we're not completely aware of. But it seemed that Nasser was nowhere to be found this summer. Nowhere to be found. And um, he's a busy man. He's a very, 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 very busy man. I'd be happy if we still have time to go through Nasser Al-Halefi's uh, weekly agenda as president of Paris Saint-Germain, president of Bean Sport, president of Miramax Studio, uh, uh, board of QSI, Qatar Sport uh, Investment, board of Qatar uh, Investment Authority, and uh, minister of Qatar. That's six, what the French call hats. Each mm -hmm. of these positions is, as, is at least 20 hours of work a week. We are at... Uh, he's, not at he's not at Bean Sports anymore. He's not? I don't think so. No, he had to. Uh, he had to give that up because of conflict of uh, interest. Conflict of interest being, he need to sleep a little bit because <laughs> I'm, I'm, at, I'm at 120 hours a week. You can. I saw. I saw him after the game on TV. His eyes were red, injected. He looked like he hadn't slept in four days. I mean, whatever. This is uh, and don't forget. Don't forget. He's also vice president of the Asian Tennis Federation as oh, well. Yes, he is too. Wow. I was going to say, where does, where does he find time to get the odd game of tennis in? Obviously, it's a you know big big thing for him, isn't it? So maybe he does that while he's sleeping, like sort of uh, you know, yeah, exactly, um, hitting the ball against the wall or something. I don't know. So Mel gave his opinion. I give my opinion. Uh, Terry, go for it. The no, summer transfer mean, window. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, you, you say we're broke and, and Mel says uh, we did okay. Uh, I'm just going to state facts because, like you said, we, we just hear things, but who knows if they're true. But uh, we, we spent 50 million euros. That's nothing. Uh, 
that's nothing. But uh, I believe you could have anticipated that uh, UEFA doesn't uh, doesn't give you the option to spend more than that. And the fact is that you yes. we, we 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 signed two players in in the last minutes of the transfer window. Yeah, you see um, where I'm going. We uh, we didn't prepare. We didn't prepare. We didn't prepare right. I don't know who's to blame. I, I don't know what's going on inside. Uh, but th this transfer season wasn't prepared the right way. Oh, clearly. That I mean, we are broke. UEFA messed up with us. But no, we're not broke. We these, spent 50 million. These are not excuses. Well, I mean, 50 million. Um, I'm sure. Uh, you know, if you if you target Ren, Ren spent 50 million too. So. Yeah, it's it's nowadays it's not as much money as it used to be, like four seasons ago. We sold a lot of players too. I mean, basically, when you have money, you spend money, and when you don't have money, you spend a lot less money. And we spent a lot less money, like two seasons ago, right after But signing wasn't there, huge players. Wasn't there another two, two or three uh, free agents or future free agents True. in April? Yes. That we could have targeted. Yes. Instead of these two signings at the last seconds of the transfer window. True. It seems that, I mean, but you would think that, let's say we, we're somewhat unprofessional. We still have some resources and competent people at the club. There's a club oh, yeah. with 300 people working full time. Uh, there's a brilliant man like Jean-Claude Blanc. Enrique is an uh, experienced a football professional as, as, a, as a staff guy, um, and, and so on and so forth. It seems something happened and took them completely by surprise. But it shouldn't have. You would, you would think we would have enough structures to mitigate even last-minute decisions by UEFA. Obviously, right. we didn't. We are looking like fools. Something really... Bad happened. That's it. Um, is it from way up top in Doha? Guys, we are owned by the, 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 <laughs> by the state of Qatar. It, there's more than just football with Paris Saint-Germain. There's international politics. The state of Qatar has been blockaded by its neighbors for uh, 14 months now. And um, it's, it's supposedly hosting the World Cup. Um, It's, um, there's a lot of issues at stake and um, just a, a bit more just than football. And our president is all over the place. And as we are not a public uh, 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 company, we don't have access to the act real finances of the club. So um, we have to assume and, 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 and look at what is a clear proof. Once again, when yeah. you do not spend money, it means you don't have money right now. When you have money to buy okay. players, you spend it. No, but it, it, what, why did we get um, Antero Enrique? That it's important to, to remind people. We got him because he had the reputation at Porto to find these players that nobody knows to bring them in and They get better and, and start people, other bigger clubs start knowing them and they spend 
a lot of money to buy them. That's probably one of the reasons, yes. Okay, so Mbappé and Neymar, I think my, my grandma could have said, hey, look, <laughs> let's get Mbappé and Neymar. Sure. Or my little sister, if you prefer. But Choupo Moting and Bernat, how old are they? I mean, it... uh, Bernat is 25. Choupo Moting is 29. Uh, yeah, but, but they're, they're known players. They're players nobody wanted. True. Um, yeah, nobody wants them. Well, Bernat is 25 and was a third choice at Bayern Munich. Um, comes from Valencia. Had a good first season at Bayern Munich. Then played a bit less uh, for the next two seasons. And, and he's coming out of 11 games of Bundesliga last season. Um, it's a second chance. I, we wouldn't say he's a nobody, uh, but you know. No, he, no, that's not what I not, said. He's not the first choice, but yeah, Shupo Mutting, oof. Yeah. Um, who's next? I am completely lost because I'm looking at my notes. Matthew. Matthew. <laughs> Matthew. <laughs> Matthew. I'm still here. I'm Are you still thanks. here? Yeah. I'm still Terry, here. Terry, Terry, anything to add? on the oh, that, I mean we can talk about it for point. days right but yeah yeah it's you know okay we, we <laughs> let's somewhat welcome we... welcome to the new recruits and I wish them uh, to succeed and prove us wrong so you don't, don't get me wrong about oh, what I'm saying positive, that's a positive message Matthew yes um, I yeah I mean you guys have sort of uh, covered off a lot of uh, of the main points with our, our transfer window. I mean, it's very hard to say sit here at this stage and say whether it's been good or bad because we don't know if the season goes really well. Everybody would be like, PSG knew what they were doing all along. Look at that. But um, I think I think I sort of, I'm a bit on the fence with Enrique. I think I, I totally see where you're coming from, Mel. I think it's, um, you know, it's obviously a very difficult situation, but I also kind of think they, it was obvious they didn't know what UEFA were going to do. And then the sort of second wave of FFP, which seems to have happened, sort of seems to take everyone by surprise. But I mean, they've literally had a year. They knew this was coming. They should have had it. As you say, Guillaume, it's a big organization. They should have people working on plans for all. Not like, obviously, you can't exactly predict every eventuality, but they should have been able to have a plan to say, if we can spend what we like or happy days, if we can sort of medium amount, then you know, we'll go for the sort of uh, compromise option. If we really can't spend anything, then we've got to look at these guys who are coming up, contracts coming to the end or the coach knows them, blah, blah, blah. Because it sort of feels a bit like we've just said to Shell, we can't get anyone else. Do you know anyone? And he's like, oh yeah, Bernat and, um, and, and Chupa Chups or whatever he's called. Um, I mean, it's just, it just feels all very sort of last minute and just a bit un- unnecessarily shambolic. And um, while I don't, I mean, Enrique clearly isn't a joker. I do think there's sort of, I think he has to sort of take a bit of criticism for that, whether it's because he's sort of been overruled from above, I don't know, or, or whatever. But, um, you know, you think back to when Leonardo was our sporting director and he seemed to sort of always be in control and always know sort of what direction we were going in. And I don't really think we've seen mm-hmm. from Enrique yet that he's mm-hmm. the, the sort of successor to, 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 to that kind of figure. Um I mean, what I would say just quickly on Chupo Moting, it just seems like a completely unnecessary signing. Like, I don't know what, what what games is he possibly going to play in. I mean, like we've got other strikers. I know not exactly the same as Cavani, but I think we could have probably got around it. And you sort of see 
you sort of see like Marquisio, I think while we're recording this, he's joined Zenit on a free transfer and you think, well, would we not be better? Very skeptical. Yeah, I agree uh, with maybe. you. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's the thing. I mean, it's always going to be a risk, isn't it? It's like with um, Diago, right? I mean, it sort of hasn't really worked out that well because he's clearly, you know, not up to it, I don't think. But is that, I mean, what what scenario are we going to need you promoting? I don't really, I don't really see it myself. Where's the scenario where we couldn't get by with Weyer or one of these other like 50 million youth players we've signed up? I think that was the other thing I wanted to say about Enrique is it's great that we're signing all these youth players, but he doesn't really seem to have a plan what he's going to do with them all. Cause clearly, I mean, Tuchel has been great in promoting a lot of them and they seem to, you know, the guys seem to still be getting game time, even though the main players are coming back, but they're not all going to get game time, are they? And, there, not many of them seem to have gone out on loan, so that seems a bit sort of last minute as well. It seems like, oh shit, we don't want all these players to go elsewhere, so we'll sign them up. But there's not really a sort of, or at least to me, there's not an obvious development plan in place for them. So I think there's sort of, we can't forget the good work that Enrique did at the start of the summer, sorting out the FFP, you know, moving players on quickly and getting, as I think we discussed last time, I was on really good price right. for some right. guys who have, you know, has, got big. Yeah, so you can't like um, you can't just dig him out and say that he's a, you know a joker. But at the same time, I think uh, the way the windows ended has been sadly on. It feels like a bit of a sour note, a bit of a sort of uh, yeah. It's just sort of just a bit weird and a bit chaotic. Uh, he's he's supposedly uh, two health choice too. Uh, to promoting, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, I, sure, it's very debatable, and we're debating him. Um, at the same time, if Kevany needs a f- few days of rest or gets injured, well, then we don't have a backup striker because Mbappe becomes a striker. Um, so now you have Shupomoting, who's a 6-4, like 185. He's a beast physically. And yeah, um, I mean, he's, a, he's, a, yep. he's a good um, anchorman. So he would fit in the system. With Mbappe, you know when if needed. Uh, I was I was told the uh, Chupo was more of a, a winger. winger or a, but, uh, a backup six-four uh, uh, winger striker. He is he is a he is a left winger and he is a forward. He played forward for Mainz, scored twenty goals across three years with Mainz, and he played left wing for the most part with Schalke, if I'm not mistaken, left and striker. scored another. Yeah, left, and scored forward, a, left yeah, forward. Yeah, and another 18 goals across three years. So he is that serviceable reserve who uh, Tuchel knows. I almost said Tuchel just to make Guillaume mad, but Tuchel, <laughs> Tuchel <laughs> knows. Um, <laughs> he knows him from Mainz. Um, he trusts him. And I think that's the difference, to be frank with you, between uh, Chupo Moting and Weya which is uh, Tuchel uh, knows what he's mm. going to get from Chupo. Yeah. Good point. Uh, Good point. Oh, Wea can play. Wea can play next to him. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing that stops Wea from competing for opportunities. Sure, right? yeah. sure, sure. No, I mean he's free, and again, he probably will be sold to a Chinese club. Hey, you want a Paris Saint Germain player? Oh, sure. How much? Forty million? Yeah, sure. Okay, and there you go. Uh, oh, he's, and he's he's got a oh, and he's got a apparently a good attitude. He'll he'll have a very very limited role, 
I don't know why we're spending so much time on him uh, discussing him, but yeah, but because yeah. it's a bit, it's a not, it's a not singing, isn't it? But yeah, when, we're not sure why we're not, not going to see him much. But I think the other thing to say about him is that he was at Stoke last year and he scored five goals, and Hesse was also at Stoke and he only scored one goal. So, I mean. I'm not yeah, a mathematician so. or anything, but I think like that means he's 500% better than Jesse, right? Uh, and, so, as are you. you know, as are you. As is no, no, but if, I mean, if, if you really want to be positive about uh, this signing, he, he, he'll be a good addition to uh, the practice team, too. Uh, you know, it's important. No, it's important to have uh, an additional physical striker. Uh, that's going to play against Marquinhos, Silva, Kimpembe, Kera at practice other than Cavani. Good point. Good point. Um, and I mean, the, a- the, one of the last things I want to make sure that we talk about with regard to this transfer window is, is to be uh, very frank with you all and with our listeners. What makes me angry about the transfer window is uh, Levin Kurzawa. Mm-hmm. What is That's going what, on with him? Well, what, what the problem that I have with him is that, you know, we all saw him and his energy and his performance at Monaco. It's part of the reason PSG brought him on board. And the fact that right now we still uh, know that he is not the number one left back. He should be the easily declarable, easily understandable number one left back penciled in first you know after after our strikers um, oh yeah but where is he, he is where? such a knucklehead uh we uh... we we are playing now with juan bernat and it is just as likely that bernat will start as kurzawa same thing it was uh, oh, yeah. when we had Bershish. Oh, yeah. and, and where is i have i have some information about kurzawa if i may interrupt you mel oh, um okay. and and i refuse Breaking i know news. i know he's got it's not well. Um, I deem my information uh, serious. Uh, he's um, he's got he's got the IQ of an oyster. We know that he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. But again, re- like you said, remember this season at Monaco. I've seen Lewin Kozawa do things on a, on the football field that no freaking left back does. Amazing right. stuff. Amazing stuff when when his confidence is high. Okay, apparently he had repetitive back problems. I don't know why it never came out as, a, as news. Um, he's going straight to surgery. Mm. He's going straight to surgery. We probably mm. are not going to see Kurzawa on a football field for the next six months. Serious back surgery. He has massive chronic back problems that he cannot get rid of. So he's going on a operating table and... We'll see what happens. We're going to need uh, a look at Alves and Kurzawa. God damn it. So these are the latest news about Kurzawa. So, you so know, Bernat. So Bernat. Bernat. Let's talk about Bernat. He's one of our signings. Um, I don't know him. All I know about Bernat, I've read recently, like, like, oh my God, there's a podcast coming out. I need to know, about. I know nothing about. Any one of you guys as an opinion on Bernat, uh, has seen him play? No. Okay. I, 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 no, I did, I did see him play his first year uh, at Bayern. Um, okay. He oh. actually, at not that bad. time. On YouTube, not bad. When you no, go to he, YouTube, who was you the coach? Him. 
he was it was a five year I think it was Ancelotti. Uh but I have to I have to think about that. Okay. But he uh very early on was seen not only as a penciled in starter for Bayern, but a penciled in starter for Spain. Um and just simply and simply could not sustain meaningful defensive work. Uh, he is still going to be very good for us and has been good for the teams he's been with going forward. But, but the issue is he is a liability. Defensive. Uh, defensive. Yeah. So maybe yeah. he would be comfortable with a three-man defense? Right. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. Is I, We must be thinking that he is uh, a left uh, wing back to slot in. Right. Uh, when we're running a central uh, three defenders uh, at the back. But that's that I, I haven't thought about him in a couple years because he did fade from the scene. Um, but when he uh, first started, uh, when he went from Valencia to Bayern Munich, he was um, there, uh, Jordi Alba. And, yeah. Well, what, and, a, what, a, what, what a competition. I mean, one right. of the top three left backs to compete with in a world. Alba is amazing. But um, listen, listen to us. We, we, thank you, Mel. If we play with three in the back, then you need that type of fullbacks. And then it makes sense. Kurzawa, this guy, Alves and Meunier, they are this type of, football, of fullbacks. They, yeah. are, they lack defensive impact and skills, but they're freaking brilliant with the ball. And they can go up and down and up and down the whole game. So that kind of makes sense. Pointing to more and more. And it's Tuchel's choice. And it's Tuchel's choice. Tuchel has some saying, of course, in, in, the, in the summer transfer window by talking to Enrique and saying, this is the type of the profile of players I need. Then Enrique talks to accounting And, and, and leaves the office, lives as a ghost. And I'm going to find a left back for 15 million euros that matched that profile. And he found Bernat. Not too bad. Um, let's keep going, because now is um, time to talk about our Champions League draw. I think we covered good ground with the summer transfer window. Um, and again, guys, um, and, and listeners, we... We all here at, at, at PSG talk a little careful with the tabloid rumors. And, you know, this is what I've heard about Paris Saint-Germain. And we're trying to focus on, on the facts. It's a bit less spectacular. And we're not going to have very spectacular comments or this is what's happening. We are prudent in, in what we're saying. And um, I think we, we're doing the right, the right thing. Now let's be oh, yeah. let's be real. We um, just got the draw for the Champions League, and this is a long tradition at Paris Saint Germain to be really unlucky in Champions League draw. Um, there's an, a novelty now; it's being unlucky during the group stage draw, and this is by far the hardest group stage um, QSI Paris Saint Germain ever had. Um, it's, it's brutal. What was the team to avoid in pot three in the Champions League? Um, and we, we knew, I've, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the draw live. I'm looking at pot three, Liverpool. Oh, of course. Boom. We had 16% of chances to get Liverpool. We got Liverpool. 
We got Napoli. Everybody knows Napoli. We'll discuss, of course, um, about Napoli Liverpool and the third club. Some of our listeners and some of our uh, younger uh, team members of the podcast may have never heard of Red Star Belgrade. Um, the only people who have have watched the 1991 Champions League final between uh, Red Star Bel Belgrade and Marseille, which Belgrade won. They, that was their only uh, European trophy so far. They are from Serbia, which is a former Yugoslavia country. Uh, you've heard of Croatia. You've heard of uh, Montenegro. And all those former Yugoslavian countries, you give them a tennis ball, a basketball, a football, they become some sort of geniuses for some reason. Uh, brilliant um, tradition of football. Uh, very good football, but of course, lack of financial um, uh, strength for Red Star Belgrade, which is back to the Champions League for the, I believe, the first time since that 1991 final. Um, some famous players from Red Star Belgrade, uh, Savicevic, who won that uh, Champions League trophy, and then move on to become a AC Milan legend. Prozineki, well, in that, in that team, he moved to Real Madrid He didn't become a legend, but he was one of the pillars of Real Madrid. And um, Stojkovic, Dragon Stojkovic, was their number 10, a, a pure 10, a gorgeous player, moved to Marseille in 1991 to lose the final against Red Star Belgrade. These are the th oh, Penchev also, their striker, was very famous. So that's about it. Uh, Napoli, Liverpool, Red Star Belgrade. First game for Paris Saint-Germain will be in Anfield at Liverpool. You thought on the draw and you thought on our chances to come out of this uh, group. We'll start with uh, Terry. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, of course, we get the, the team that we needed to avoid. Uh, of course. From, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's... Anyway, yeah, no, it's, it's going to be... I mean, Napoli is... Uh, is in reconstruction with uh, Ancelotti. So uh, this is not the best Napoli that we could go against, no. uh, in my opinion. Uh, Belgrade, um, Red Star. Mm -hmm. It's who knows. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be a little bit like uh, this weekend uh, when we go there. Yeah, uh, you're right. Good point. Particular yeah. atmosphere and and a team that that knows that they're. Not at the same level technically, and are gonna focus on putting impact and aggressivity. So that's that could be a, a trap uh, for for the away game at least. Uh, yeah. um, and Liverpool, well, this is uh, this is why we we really don't have time um, uh, to to prepare uh, what we are trying to do because. We're going to have to do it against Liverpool. So, to me, logically, we need to, uh, we need to uh, at least go to the next round. Uh, and I, I want to believe that we can, we can win uh, our group stage and, uh, and go on to the next round too. Okay, so you're staying positive. You think we can uh, top the, the group and move on. Um, Mel. Yeah, I, 
the, you know, I have two, I'm of two minds here with this draw. The romantic in me loves going to Anfield, mm-hmm. uh, loves the idea of going there first to set out our stall uh, and make things clear from the off. Um, I love uh, the mix of teams that we have in the draw. Um, but the practical side of me uh, thinks entirely differently. <laughs> um, uh, tactically, it's not great to have Liverpool uh, so early and to have a potentially uh, deciding uh, sixth game away uh, in the middle of December in Belgrade. Um, I don't. I don't like that mix. Um, I did spend good time this weekend watching Napoli. Uh, Napoli Sampdoria, actually. Yeah. And uh, got crushed. Yeah, I I was not impressed, to be frank, mm. with with Napoli. Um, you know, the game was what it was, but I was not impressed uh, uh, with with them. Um, but as you all know. Um, you know, what matters not, it doesn't matter what uh, a team is doing when you scout them. It matters what their momentum is when you play them. Um, And so that'll be interesting uh, to diagnose at the time. Uh, Terry's, Terry's made the the salient point. We don't have time. Liverpool is on the doorstep. um, And to a certain extent, we are what we are uh, when we face them uh, at Anfield. Um, You know, the practical side of me says, that you know these guys are the Champions League runner-ups, um, and they have hit the ground flying in the Premier League, and um, we uh, are a bit of a mess. Um, and this game will be back and forth, but I would not be surprised if we finish second in the group. I expect us to top the group. Um, because I have high expectations of our tr- of our management team, um, but I would not be surprised if we finish second in the group. Okay, Matthew, your thoughts on the draw, uh, our chances, and then we'll, we'll. I think after that we'll talk specifically about um, the Liverpool game. But overall, your thoughts? Um, well, I'm sort of. I'm going to just leave realism behind for a second. I'm really, really excited about this draw. I think it's going to be great. I think you don't go into the Champions League just to have like half the season where it's just obvious who's going to go through. I think that I always find it a bit boring when, um, you know, it's just two really strong teams and two sort of obviously weaker teams and the sort of chances of an upset are fairly small. So I'm really excited about this. I mean, proper like proper like European names, Liverpool, Napoli, like two of the most evocative names in world football and Red Star Belgrade such a sort of historic team and such a great story that they're back in it after so long so I'm really excited about it I think it's going to be great uh, whether, <laughs> whether I'll think that in December is another matter I think yeah. we're probably going to come second I think that we're obvious I mean Napoli as Mel's very eloquently put just then they're not what they were last season are they obviously the coach has gone the sort of star player in Jorginho has gone as well Um I mean, really, if you look at it sort of uh, sort of logically, we ought to beat them. I know that's not always how football works. And even like Liverpool, uh, they've obviously started the season really well, but they haven't played anyone good yet. I think they've beaten West Ham, Brighton, Palace and Leicester. Um, 
and you know they're all teams you'd expect them to beat and so they'll go into that game we don't really know where they are either I mean they look really good but you know it might be the case that you know the sort of fixture computers help them and they're they're not quite as good as they look so uh, I don't know I think we can top the group I think it's more likely that we'll probably come second unfortunately and then well who knows what will happen in the, in the knockout stages but uh, overall I'm very excited and I'm looking forward to it <coughs> okay. 18 points so um, uh, it doesn't this season doesn't look like it really matters if you finish first or second of your group there's big teams um, in, in, in the part one and in the part two Um, so f this is good news for us. The bad news is to meet Liverpool in a week. I mean, it could not be, the timing could not be worse. Um, we don't have a midfield. We don't have a, a okay. With Rabiot and Verratti in a, in a 4-2-3-1, we sort of have a midfield, but we don't have that player that can mitigate, that can absorb a very aggressive uh, front four, especially um, from the EPL, especially from a top team of the EPL. And um, what we saw during the Nîmes game, they had a right forward called Tube, who was a muscle man. I mean, the guy was like a pit bull. He looked like an American football player. And he ravaged our defense over and over and over again. He didn't score, but my God, what a poison. Imagine when it's going to be Mane doing that with Firmino around, with Salah, and uh, what is his name? Sturridge. Oh, my God, Sturridge. Um, this is bad news. We, so we don't have uh, a fullbacks. And hopefully... Oh, we don't have Marco Verratti, neither. We suspended... Yeah, I was going to say that. We don't even have Verratti. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh. So this I'd, is actually, been... I'd actually forgotten about that awful yes. Real Madrid game, and now it's all coming back to me. Uh-huh. Oh, for goodness sake. Yes, yes, yes. So that's the bad news. But the good news is, if we finish second, uh, we may... I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to knock on wood first. We may end up lucky and get, um, you know, an okay team for the round of 16. <laughs> I don't think we're going to top the group. No. I think we're going to be dismantled, crushed, completely crushed at Anfield um, because we don't have the tools to counter that incredibly dynamic uh, front four, and they're not really super gifted, but work workhorse of a midfield. There's a reason why the front four up front um, are so good. They have a, a, a midfield working for them. They will crush us. Um, oh, well, it wouldn't be the first time that we have been crushed in a European competition. Um, Napoli, I agree with you guys, um, They, I've seen them play once. Uh, thank you, um, football download on Reddit. Uh, they does Jorginho and look uh, how Jorginho fit right in, in Chelsea. I mean, he's a system player and losing a player like this and then getting a new coach is a big deal. And um, I got a stat today. Uh, the last seven shots on goal 
against Napoli turned into seven goals against Napoli. That reminds us one season ago when Areola was in our, uh, was our goalkeeper. So they have goalkeeper problems and, and structural problems. We should be okay. Um, like Terry said, a Red Star could be a trap. But forget about Liverpool, at least at Anfield. I don't know uh, any of you guys have the, the um, calendar. When is the return game against Liverpool? I think this is a tough one, starting at Liverpool. But then it turns out, okay, we played Red Star twice, which is great. So we can hopefully get six points there. And I think then we play Napoli <laughs> twice. And then we play the second game, uh, the second leg at Parc des Princes against Liverpool. I may be wrong. We play, we play Liverpool November 28th. Oh, so I am wrong. Okay. Okay. We, well, we play we play Napoli twice though. That is correct. Before we play Liverpool, we play Napoli on the twenty fourth, and then the sixth of October and November, respectively. When are we playing Red Star? Don't we play them twice too? We play Red Star on the third of no. October, and then we play them again on the twelfth of December. Oh, I'm completely wrong. Okay. Okay, well, that, the, playing them end of November gives us a little bit of time to try to straighten up a few things and get a few of our players back. Um, there's no return date yet for Alves. We may not see Alves in 2018. Kurzawa is going to be gone. Uh, Verati apparently is feeling better. He's ready. He's ready. Nah. Um, uh, I, I read a Mancini interview and Mancini said, oh yeah, Marco Verratti he said, uh, I'm feeling much better. Yeah. When you, when you ah, say I'm yeah, feeling much, well, when you say I'm feeling much better, it doesn't mean you're, you're healed. You're better. You're much better, but there's still something apparently going on. You know, end of November looks, looks better um, than in a week. And then playing, I would rather play Liverpool now, actually, in and yeah, at and exactly. get crushed than starting at Parc des Princes. Ah. Right? So, um, now the fun part of the podcast predictions for Liverpool, Paris Saint Germain. Um, you, may, you may pass if you'd rather not. Uh, Mel, would you like to predict the score uh, in a week at Anfield or not? Well, it was, it was interesting that I had a theory that that Tuchel may be uh, considering a a goalkeeper uh, rotation where Buffon uh, uh, might be might be considered for our Champions League matches. He's suspended. He's out for three games. He's suspended, yeah, but he's out. I was going to say, but he's out for three games. Yeah. <laughs> after <laughs> after. Uh, <laughs> Verbally abusing Michael Oliver, so uh, he is. Verratti is out. Um, the players you named are out. Um, Anfield is uh, Fortress Anfield again uh, after several years, and they're red hot. And there are not uh, many players on uh, the injury list for Liverpool, so I think that Guillaume, you're underestimating uh, our threat going forward um the one thing i don't fear uh 
uh, on Liverpool is their defense. You do have to get past that hardworking midfield, but I don't fear their defense. I don't fear their goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we do have players that can put shots on goal. That being said, so do they. My prediction is 2-2. Two, two. Whoa. 2-2. Two, two. All right. Bold prediction. Terry, would you like to, or not, predict the game? Result. No, I don't, I don't want to predict this game. I want to make a bigger uh, prediction. Go for uh, it. I think, I think, I mean, you're, you might laugh, but uh, I think it's our fate. It's our fate to win the Champions League without a midfield. We're going to win the Champions League with Verratti and Rabio, and this is our fate. This is it. That's my prediction. When? This season? This season. Holy shit. All right. Uh, Bold prediction too. Matthew, would you like to go for it? I mean, I can't top that, really. I mean, these new... All these new contributors coming on and turning the podcast on its head with their Upside big predictions. Upside Unbelievable. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm going to stick to a more sort of conservative uh, view of the game. Um, I mean, obviously, they've only conceded one goal this season, which is a little bit worrying. Uh, Fabinho can't even make their bench, which is even more worrying if you think about how, <laughs> how nicely he'd fit into our team in the, the much-discussed space that is our midfield so uh sadly i think we're probably going to lose like and i'm going to say we're going to lose 3-1 okay so um mel mentioned their goalkeeper allison um they bought him from uh napoli uh for 50 million pounds something like this they yeah, signed the 60 yeah 60 They signed Fabinho for a boatload. They they signed Shakiri from Stoke. Um, Everybody but Stoke players, look. Um, (laughs) They they spent this season 163 million pounds on transfers. The previous season, they bought Van Dijk for 76 million pounds, Mohamed Salah for 40 million pounds, Oxlade-Chamberlain for 34 million pounds, and some utility players. They are red hot. They reached the Champions League final, being beaten by the best team ever in the history of um, the Champions League, probably. Um, no, they no, they beat themselves in that match. Uh, I don't think Salah would have changed the fate of that game, but you know, Ramos Ramos helped out, and uh, their goalkeeper helped out. Uh, otherwise, I think it's one Gareth Bale wonder goal versus I think it was more one to one without those errors. But we could debate that. We can debate that. Um, oh, curious. So they they are a overwhelming. Um, they, they try to overwhelm defenses in an extremely dynamic way with super super dynamic players, and then a guy with a phenomenal touch and vision in the middle of it. Um, they will, they will, they will take you by the wings. Bad news: we have no fullbacks. They will go full axes and test your defensive midfielders. Bad news: we don't have defensive midfielders. Uh, they will crush us. Um, we may score, but I think we will lose four-one. I'm going okay, three-one or four-one. I'm going to go for four-one. I really, 
expect a dismantle of Paris Saint-Germain by Liverpool. 4-1 Liverpool. All right. Um, that so doesn't depressing. mean. No, but that doesn't <laughs> mean that doesn't mean that we cannot get better after that. That doesn't mean that um, our central defense, which is I think very decent with Kimpembe, Marquinhos, and Silva, and Kerr as a cameo, um, start functioning as you know in three four three or three five two, and we learn a new system. And now we have the fullbacks to play in that system. Now we have the, the midfield to play in that system. Now we have a system. And now we can supply or in good conditions. And we have options. And we have options. We um, have options. So I'm not being pessimistic for necessarily for the season, even if I still think we'll be short. Um, I mean, look at, look at our, our starting 11. I think it's a weaker starting 11 than a season ago. But more than anything else, look at our bench. Our bench is catastrophic compared to a season ago. Uh, in the transfer discussion, we sort of forgot to talk about Lo Celso going on loan with option two by into Betty Sevilla. And that one is a real head scratcher. Yeah, what whereas, yeah, yeah. It what? That, 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 that one I don't understand. You're right. But that's another sign that something's going on. And that's another Apparently, sign. Apparently, Tuho didn't really broke. count on him. Sure. But it doesn't mean, I mean, Tural wants midfielders who can play quick <laughs> transitions. And Lo Celso is, is holding the ball. Verratti was playing like this. Verratti is adapting and learning to play. Like, remember the, champ, the Trophée des Champions game? Yes. Rabiot and Verratti oh, yeah, were, yeah. Like, were like, plop, plop, oh, plop, plop. When you're a good football um, uh, player, you, you can adapt. And it's a little too early to say Lo Celso couldn't adapt. There's more than just that. There's some... Guys, I'm telling you, we are dead broke as far as FFP uh, uh, can tell. There's something going on there. Um, you, don't, you don't have a summer like... Yes, um, Nasser wasn't present enough. There's a lack... Um, you know, some screws could be tightened up at the club. Um, but something happened, and that what happened is... Money related, clearly, whether it comes oh. from Doha or it comes from UEFA, we, you know, we could have done better. Like you said, Terry, uh, Enrique, whose specialty is to find this type of players, you know, with a great added value and resell them and all, could have probably had a plan B or plan C, considering the way UEFA has been dealing with us. Obviously, there was none of that. And that's disappointing. We can only assume that is what happened. And, and we, that a club with the resources of Paris Saint-Germain normally would have been able to mitigate everything that was thrown at it this summer transfer window. And it did yeah. not. And yeah. it did not. And it did not. But we just discussed that for over an hour now. <laughs> Mel, Mel saw a mature, um, a, a, a mature strategy by Paris Saint Germain. Pragmatic, pragmatic. Because I mean, yeah, yeah. You, yes, you, and, I'm, and just, I'm just saying it nicer you have than a you. Point, I like right? the term. Yeah, yeah. Remember two seasons ago. Remember three seasons ago. My goodness, Ibrahimovic and Kevin. <laughs> who else you want? 
next, well, what I, well, next what season. What I believe is that there, there, there was there was a better pragmatic possible. Yes, you you made your point. Right, I think yes, I think that's also true. Right, right. So we could have done better. So our discussion goes from we we did okay. We could have done better, or we could have done a lot better. But nobody's screaming, saying, oh, Enrique is a, a moron. This is unacceptable. Oh, no, no, no. And, oh, oh, and well, you, you see that everywhere in the media and in the forums um, over and over and over again. Um, one thing we didn't really, kind of, but not really do is answer the questions on uh, PSG, the subreddit, RPSG. Uh, Raul, just, will you just give us just give us a couple. You 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 set you set up the listeners with anticipation. They no, should get a couple. We we we, <laughs> we 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 ended up answering questions, um, but not not saying who asked the question. Raul was wondering um, if we knew what was going on with Kurzawa. Um, I forgot what my source is now, <laughs> but it was a it was a reliable source. Uh, surgery, um, Verati. Well. What's going on with Verati was also Ariel's question. Um, well, uh, he just, Mancini said, hey, he's feeling much better. So there's still something going on. And apparently he's going to be, the club knows. Um, and it will probably do whatever they can to have a functioning Marco Verati in the spring of 2019 in the second phase of the Champions League, if we get there. Um, <laughs> another question was about Marquinhos in midfield. Which we kind of covered too, because, well, briefly, um, Marquinhos is great off the ball, but he's terrible on the ball. Um, he cannot invent that. He's a central defender. Very few central defender, uh, defenders can be very decent passing-wise in midfield. Um, and there was another question, but I cannot find it on my notes. I am so sorry, guys. I spent the time to uh, post that on Reddit, and then I forgot half the questions. Hey, that's my great age. Um, anyone would like to add something about the main themes we covered today uh, during this podcast? Any side notes? Any funny, witty comments? Or you guys are done? I guess you guys are done. We are done. <laughs> thank, thank you all. Um, Terry, thanks for joining us. It's great to have uh, more people on this team. And as, Thank you. as, direct, as direct result, we have been able to produce back-to-back two podcasts in 10 days. This is wonderful. We'll try to keep the pace. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to us, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you.